Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host and youth insider, Trevor Allen. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another edition, as we have a lot to get to. Um, coming up, we will talk with Ryan Aber. He is the Oklahoma Sooners beat writer for the Oklahoma, and he will tell us a lot about who TJ Pledger is and what he will bring to the Utah football team, as you heard on the last episode. Uh, TJ Pledger, former Oklahoma running back, has transferred to the University of Utah and will seek to become the starting running back for the Utes in 2021. And then just the day after I did uh, post a podcast, Utah got another running back in LSU transfer, Chris Curry. We'll end up finding more about Curry as we go along. I'm planning on reaching out to an LSU person to talk about that. And then we'll also talk about the running Utes as they are struggling right now, and we'll look ahead to some former Utes that have picked their next school after entering the portal. And uh, Tyler Huntley appears in a playoff game. But first, we will start with Urban Meyer, former Utah head coach. It will now become the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was announced on Thursday that Meyer will take his first head coaching job in the NFL. And then there were, there were some rumors out there about whether or not Morgan Scally was going to go with him and be a coach in the NFL. That just did not happen. From what I understand is that Scowie just did not want to go to Jacksonville. I think he wanted to stick it out here at Utah, try and earn his coach and waiting title back, and go in that direction. But really happy for Urban Meyer. Um, hopefully it works out as he will likely draft Trevor Lawrence as his starting quarterback with the number one overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. So really happy for him. And then Tyler Huntley on Saturday night. On KSL 5 TV, Jackson goes out as he entered concussion protocol, and Tyler Huntley went in for him. It was late in the third. Jackson just threw a pick six to Weber State cornerback star, uh, Taron Johnson, who took it 101 yards to the house. And so Huntley comes into the game, end of the third quarter, 
and the Ravens were down 17-3, and he, he did okay. That's a really tough situation to be put in. First, you were, you were on the practice squad, and then you get elevated, and then you have to come in in, in a playoff game and try and, and get your team to victory as a backup. And Huntley went 6 of 13 for 60 yards, and he also ran the ball three times for 32 yards. He did have a wide-open Hollywood Brown and just overthrew him just a little bit. But that, but that's going to happen. Huntley's only po- that was his third NFL game that he's ever played in. So I thought he did really, really well considering the situation he was put in. And then a couple of Utah running backs have new homes. As you guys all know, the week leading up to the regular season finale, Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore both entered the, the transfer portal, and they're both going closer to home. Devin Brumfield is going to Tulane, and Jordan Wilmore is going to Fresno State. So really happy for them. Wish them nothing but the best, and hopefully that they have a lot of success at their new places. All right, time to talk about the latest commitment for Utah football, and it is a big one out of Oklahoma. T.J. Pledger will be joining the Utes in their running back room. And to talk about Pledger, we go to Ryan Aber, who covers the Sooners for the Oklahoman. Ryan, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me on today. So I just wanted to get your thoughts. First off, as someone who's covered TJ over the last three years of him being a Sooner, tell us his game on the field. Well, he's, uh, you know, not the biggest back in the world at, uh, what is it, 5'9", I think he's listed that, but uh, has some speed. I mean, heck, we've seen OU uh, use him as a kick returner. Uh, fairly regularly probably would have been in that position a little bit more had he not suffered some injuries uh, during his time at OU that uh, you know obviously uh, his playing time decreased significantly this year after Ramondre Stevenson's return but you know it's easy to easy uh, to forget for OU fans uh, just how big this guy was in a couple games you know right before Ramondre Stevenson uh, came back. He's a guy who had a lot of promise. I, I think certainly he would have had a role uh, on OU's offense moving forward, but uh, felt like he wanted to, to take a step out of that and, and find maybe a, a little bit bigger uh, role elsewhere. I, I think he's a guy who can have a, a pretty significant impact at Utah, you know, if he's able to, to work into that, uh, that spot. And then, you know, I noticed on his game logs, and I'm, I'm starting to go through and watching his film, but I haven't gotten through the, the whole season yet. He getting double-digit carries for, for four straight games, obviously had the 22 carries in each, the Texas and the Horn Frog game. But then it just dropped off from that. Is that what kind of led him to enter the portal? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean you can, uh, you know, you just look at that, that game list and, uh, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, who had been suspended for, for six games beginning with the, the Peach Bowl uh, a year ago. Uh, that suspension was lifted uh, in time for the Texas Tech game. Ramondre Stevenson moves in, and T.J. Pledger doesn't get more than seven carries in any game uh, the rest of the way. And it's easy to see why. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson was fantastic uh, for OU, and, and not just running the ball, but was a great pass-catching threat out of the backfield, which T.J. Pledger can do but he's not the, the big, powerful, uh, dynamic guy that's, that Stevenson wound up being. I don't know that a lot of us expected him to be as good as he was this year, but, uh, you know, T.J. Pledger played a, a really critical role. They struggled to run the football early in the season, 
Uh, and it wasn't just the running back struggling. It was the offensive line uh, really uh, fought uh, to be able to create any kind of holes, which was surprising for an offensive line that had everybody returning from a really good unit uh, a year ago. But uh, TJ Pleasure had a couple of breakout games and helped sort of uh, settle them down offensively when things were going wrong for them and, uh, you know, get them to a point where Ramondre Stevenson came back. Uh, just after Stevenson came back, uh, Pledger's use uh, went way, way down. Now, what kind of person is T.J. Pledger off the field, at least as far as interacting with media and, you know, things that you've noticed as you've been covering him? Yeah, from, from what we've seen, he's, uh, you know, a really good kid. I, I always uh, preface that from, from what we've seen because you never – really know these guys in any really deep way. Although I actually talked to TJ back when he was at IMG, uh, not long after he committed to OU and uh, really enjoyed the conversation then. I know his teammates uh, all spoke really, really highly of him. So, you know, he's, he's going to be a guy I think he's going to fit in uh, wherever he is. He's got that kind of personality um it, it's just a matter of uh one can he stay healthy because he did have a a couple of uh, health issues at Oklahoma including a, a broken I can't remember if it was hand or wrist uh, that he dealt with uh, last year but you know he was able to come back from that uh, fairly quickly and uh it, you know have a, a a couple of uh, uh pretty productive games uh, didn't get a lot of chances but, uh, you know, was able to make some things happen for them. What do you like about TJ's game? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is the speed. I mean, uh, and I, I think we saw that really take a step forward. Like I said, he's, he's not uh, the biggest guy uh, at, at well under, under six feet tall. But, you know, if there's a hole, he can find it. I, I think we were chatting a little bit before we got this started. And you mentioned a, a, a play against Texas a really good run that he had where there was just the tiniest of holes. And I, I think a play like that sort of helped uh, fuel OU's offense and, uh, you know, get them back uh, to where they've been. And it was really based on uh, pleasure speed. And I think we've seen that increase. They really liked him coming out of IMG. Uh, but we saw him take some pretty significant steps forward uh, this year. And, and I think that's something that, that we're going to see uh, moving forward with him as he moves to Utah. Some of the uh, DNA for, for running backs at Utah has always been not only speed, but toughness. How tough is he as far as being able to take hits and, and how hard is he to bring down? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not uh, – I, I wouldn't say he's the, the toughest guy, uh, certainly, that he's had to bring down. I mean, heck, they, you know, the, the running back history here is just, just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. uh, but – uh, you know, he, he's not a guy who goes down easily either. Um, it, you know, it, it sometimes takes a, a couple of guys before they, they're finally able uh, to bring him down. And, you know, we didn't see uh, him break out a ton early in the season. Again, when OU's offense was sort of uh, struggling, at least on the ground, was struggling to find its way. But he was able to still make some things happen. I mean, heck, you look at the, the, the yards per carry averages – uh, there and how they steadily increased early in the season, you know, six yards a carry in that Texas game, uh, five and a half against uh, TCU. 
And uh, so uh, that physicality is there uh, for him for sure. And, you know, the injuries that we've seen haven't been ones where, you know, he's got hurt uh, fighting for extra yards or, or things like that. It's just sort of been, uh, you know, fluke type deal. So, um, you know, I, I think Utah fans are really going to like this guy. And that kind of leads me into my next question is, you know, Twitter was buzzing after he announced he was going to come to Utah just because I think a lot of it is that is that brand name. I mean, obviously, being one of the blue bloods of college football, the Sooners, one of the best teams in all of college football. But why should fans be thrilled about T.J. Pledger coming to Utah? Well, I, I, you know, I, I think it's everything we've talked about. It's, it's the speed, the, the, the not being uh, brought down very easily. But it's also the fact that, that even in an offense where – uh, you know, the last few years they've had, you know, Rodney Anderson back there, Kennedy Brooks, who's had a couple of a thousand yard seasons opted out this year for Madre Stevenson, who's going to be a, a, probably a, a top three, four round uh, draft pick this year. TJ Pleasure still found a way to get on the field and, and play uh, through all of that, even with some of the things that he dealt with uh, during his time at OU. So I, I think uh, there's certainly reason for optimism among Utah fans, and I, I think he's a guy who a change of scenery uh, could benefit uh, quite a bit here, and, and maybe he could take a step and, and be even more productive uh, than he's been at OU. And, you know, I'm talking about all those running backs that, that he's sort of battled through, and I completely left off Trey Sermon, who, of course, went to Ohio State and had a fantastic year this year, especially uh, in the Big 12 title game and their semifinal game. So, um, you know, OU's running back room has been stacked, but still this is the guy who found a way to get on the field and, and make an impact. How is his, his blocking and his uh, catching the ball out of the backfield? I mean, is, is he able to do both? I, I know that he's had limited reps out on the field, but how is he in those areas? Yeah, you know, the blocking is something that I think he's got to work on. Uh, it, it's not at the level of, of some of those other guys that we've seen, uh, but it's, it's also not awful. Uh, you know, I think he's got a chance to take a big step forward in that area. I think that is something that, that he really needs to uh, uh, make a jump on in order to uh, keep himself on the field uh, for every down. Uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, I think that was one of the things that he made a big stride at this year. I mean, heck, you, 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 know, you see the numbers. He only had a couple of receptions his first couple of years. But uh, this year, early in the season, you know, had uh, what was it? Uh, seven catches in the in the first couple of games that he played. The first three games that he played after missing the the season opener against Missouri State with uh, due to COVID protocol. Uh, so I, I I think that's an element that he's added to his game, and uh, you know I think that's something that you could see more and more of uh, moving forward. And that was an area again as we talk about Ramondre Stevenson, uh, the guy who replaced him. That was a, a big uh, element for him, which I, I think is another reason why, uh, you know, we didn't see him used in the, the passing game as much uh, late in the season. Uh, but he can certainly take a step forward in that regard. Now that we're hopefully through the whole COVID, you know, crisis heading into the 2021 season, and I'm knocking on wood as I'm saying that because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go through another season like that. And I, I know you None don't either. Do. As you look at the Sooners now, Spencer Rattler, he seems like a, a pretty legit quarterback, just like OU's had with Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, um, and Jalen Hurts. 
I mean, where does this Sooner team go? Is this a college football playoff team again coming in 2021? I mean, it certainly looks like it with, with everybody that they've got returning back on offense. You know, the, the chunk of that defense returns. Uh, they, they do lose uh, a, a couple guys there, especially Ronnie Perkins on the defensive end, but that defense took a big step forward. You know, I, I think the biggest thing for this team is going to be making the playoffs. If they're able to, uh, you know, win, the, win a seventh straight uh, Big 12 championship, if they're able to get through a, a non-conference schedule that, you know, while it has, uh, you know, an interesting name on it with Nebraska, uh, you know, Nebraska isn't what, what it's been, certainly. They also play Tulane. And then, uh, you know, Western Carolina, uh, which is uh, shouldn't be much of a test at all. But uh, the, the thing I think about this team is they're better equipped to compete in the playoffs if they're able to get there just because of that defense. You know, their defense, uh, yet last year in 2020, they had their best defense that they'd had since 2015. And, you know, a lot of those great offenses uh, during the Lincoln-Riley era have sort of been wasted because they haven't been able to play defense at all. Now this group can play defense and they've got a quarterback who, while not on the level of, you know, Baker Mayfield in 2017 or, or Kyler Murray in 18 or Jalen Hurts in 19, uh, really performed well this year. And I think he's got a lot of room for growth. We saw a lot of growth from him uh, throughout the year. And I think we'll continue to see that. And of course, at Oklahoma, you've always got weapons around him. You've got wide receivers, We've got several five-star guys that are former five-star guys, uh, another big-time class coming in. And then, uh, you know, the running backs, uh, Kennedy Brooks, who I mentioned, who had opted out last year, is going to be back. Stevenson enters the draft. But they've got a couple other guys they feel really good about. So I, I think this is sort of going to be a, a playoffs or bust uh, for this Sooners team. And not only getting the playoffs, you know, they, uh, they've been to the playoffs a lot. They have yet to win a, a CFP game. And I think OU fans are, are really itching for that. Seems like that there's never a dull moment on the OU beat, right? <laughs> uh, no, there there sure isn't. It's uh, it's always something that seems to be going on. So hopefully, though, we can get the the vaccine can come come around, get widely available, and we can get back to normal and have a uh, have a good 2021 season and uh, get back to you know doing a lot of these interviews. And I love Zoom. I mean, yeah. this is a, a great platform, but I also uh, can't wait to be back in a room with, with folks, either other media folks or, uh, you know, the guys that we talk to, the players and coaches uh, several times a week and actually be able to look them in the eye and, uh, and have those conversations face to face. Well, Ryan, it's always good to catch up with a, bet. a lot of the Utah fans are going to be cheering on the, the Sooners now, especially, you know, for getting one of their own and just seeing you know, their rise, and, and as Utah is beginning to rise too, you know, hopefully maybe we could see uh, Oklahoma-Utah non-conference in the very near future, I hope. Yeah, that would that would certainly be interesting. And, and you know, uh, Utah has uh, uh, has gone to OU before for transfers with, uh, with Thompson a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we'll see how this one works out. But uh, I think there's a lot of people at OU in Oklahoma – who will be watching uh, Utah to see how TJ Pledger does. They were all fired up about what Trey Sermon did last year. And uh, TJ Pledger's a guy who, uh, you know, didn't do anything to sour OU fans on, uh, on him. So uh, he'll have a lot of, a lot of people rooting on Utah uh, here in the Oklahoma area. 
Well, hopefully TJ Pledger has numbers like Trey Sermon did this last year. Let's just hope <laughs> for that, right? Yeah, if, if he's able to do that, uh, there's going to be a lot of people uh, really happy in both states for sure. Well, Ryan, it was great having you on. Thank you so much for shedding light on who TJ Pledger is. And, uh, you know, ho- hopefully we have a great season. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And uh, maybe we can do it again sometime. And there you go. That was Oklahoma Sooners beat writer Ryan Aber with us here on the Crimson Corner podcast. He's with the Oklahoma. Great stuff from him. And I know that that just made Ute fans really excited about the future of what TJ Pledger can bring to the Utah football program. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the running Utes. Really struggling right now. I've, I've got some thoughts on that and what they need to do to turn things around. You're listening to the Crimson Corner podcast. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back in to the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host and Utes Insider, Trevor Allen. Big thank you to Ryan Aber, who joined us in the last segment, uh, breaking down TJ Pledger and what he brings to the Utah football program as he covered Pledger in his three seasons with the Oklahoma Sooners. So great, great stuff from him. Check out more on that over at KSLSports.com. And follow me on Twitter. I'm at Trevor A. Sports. You can also follow us at KSL Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And download the KSL Sports app. It's powered by University Federal Credit Union. Uh, You can download it wherever you get your apps. And it is for free. And you can get the latest on the Utes, the Crimson Corner Podcast, and much, much more with the KSL Sports app. All right. The running Utes. So when we last talked... They were in the middle of a four-game homestand. They added Colorado. They played Oregon the previous Saturday and then played Colorado and lost both of them after having a halftime lead in both of those by 10 points each. And then they went and played Stanford on Thursday, snapped the four-game losing streak. It was a great performance all around. Defensively, they were really, really good. And then Cal came in without their, their best player in Matt Bradley who's one of the top guards in the Pac-12. And Cal's just not good this year. They're still having somewhat of a rebuild with their new head coach. And, you know, you're at home. You're coming off of a win against Stanford. It's the end of this four-game homestand. Four games in seven days. And Utah blew it. They, they had a 12-point lead at halftime. And then Cal outscored Utah 50-29 to in the second half. 
And after the game, Larry Kraskoviak talked to the media and basically said that, you know, his team played four games in one week and that not a lot of college basketball teams are doing that. Well, here's a couple of things. One, the ultimate gut punch to this program was that loss to Cal. And that has nothing to do with Cal's ability. I mean, you can't really blame them because they're, they're going through a tough stretch right now. They, they're uh, in their second year with their new head coach trying to build back the program to what it was. And, you know, you had all the momentum at halftime, and you just blew it in the second half. How do you allow a team to score 50 points in that second half? 20 minutes, and Cal scored 50 points. So, I don't know, for me, it, it's, it's hard to really pinpoint where this program's at. You have the talent. I mean, it's there. You see a lot of glimpses of it. With Pella Larson, I think he's going to be special. Timmy Allen's really, really good. Ryland Jones, he's really just struggled at this point. He hasn't been able to put his print on it like he did when he was a freshman. Alfonso Plummer is really, really good when he's on fire. Mikhail Jantanen, he has done a great job this season and has really made strides to being a very good forward. Brandon Carlson has had moments. Riley Batten is, is kind of hit and miss, but for the most part, he's solid in other areas other than scoring. I just, I don't know. Because in the media, I've always been told, don't be afraid to be critical of people, but don't make it personal. Now, I know that there's a lot of fans out there who think that Larry Kraskoviak should not be the head coach of the Utes. And a lot of the reason why he is still holding on to his job, and I'm just going off of what people are saying. Mark Harlan hasn't said anything about it is that Larry Kraskoviak's buyout on his contract is too big. And when you're in the middle of a global pandemic where the athletic department has lost so much money, you can't afford that. And so in a way, you fans are stuck with Larry Kraskoviak for at least another year or two. Now, I don't think that changing the head coach is necessarily going to fix the problems because you got to remember, players leave with them and you have to build a trust with all of the recruits and, you know, the coaches out there when you bring in a new coach. Utah hasn't had to do that in 10 years. And Larry's brought in some great players, and I know a lot of them have transferred and things like that, but be careful what you wish for. I think it just needs to be some adjustments with the coaching as far as you've got to change your philosophy because the defense is there. So instead of just focusing on defense the whole time, focus on offense as well. I feel like that there are times where Utah doesn't run sets on offense and guys are just standing around. That's not going to do anything. It actually gives the defense some time to rest up without having to run around and chase a guy. You've got to be able to run sets. You've got to be able to move the ball. You've got to set screens. You've got to, rather than trying to do iso ball all the time, it's not going to work. There's not one person on this Utah basketball team that is good enough to be effective in iso ball. I'm just going to point that out right now. Timmy Allen's really good at, you know, attacking the rim. Pell Larson can get downhill very well, but none of them are good enough to do it consistently night in and night out and provide a spark offensively in that realm. I think right now of what the program's at after losing to Cal, they need to look themselves in the mirror. Larry Kraskoviak and his coaching staff need to look in the mirror and find out what the identity of this program is because... Since Rick Majerus left, 
Utah basketball hasn't been where it's needed to be. I know that there were two runs to the tournament under Larry Kraskoviak with DeLon Wright and Yako Pirtle and all that, but that didn't mean that Utah basketball was back. Whenever you thought about the University of Utah as far as sports, you always thought basketball. Now you always think football. Football is king on the hill. That's something that I prioritize my beat around is football. I still cover basketball because they are still relevant and because it's a University of Utah sport, just like I cover women's basketball and I cover the Red Rocks and anything else that happens. But the thing is, you're not filling up the Huntsman Center. You used to when you had teams like Wichita State come in. You had Oregon or BYU. But even the last BYU game that was up at the Huntsman Center in 2019, the place wasn't packed. Close, but it wasn't packed. But it's also gotten to the point, too, where they've had to close off the upper deck at the Huntsman Center because they were never filling it. They wanted to try and fill the lower bowl first before opening up the upper deck. So I think right now what Larry Kraskoviak and his team needs to do is find out ways to keep the defense going because they, they have been pretty good except for that second half against Cal. They've been really good. But you got to find some flow offensively. You, ISO ball doesn't work in college. You have to have a certain amount of talent to be able to make that work. So Utah's ways are going to be to get guys open, set screens, and move the ball. That needs to happen. Otherwise, it's going to be a long season. And it starts all up again on Thursday when Utah plays Washington State on the road, where Utah hasn't won on the road a true road game in the Pac-12 since Washington State back in the 2018-19 season. But their last true road win, period, was the season opener 2019-2020 season at Nevada. And Washington State's pretty good. And then they'll also play Washington, which Washington's the worst team in the Pac-12, but Cal was the second worst team in the Pac-12. And Utah lost to them. So I think that this is going to be a very critical stretch for Utah to find out what this team's going to be about in the future. They've got to be able to figure it out now and try and get to where they want to be. I think that they can. But I know a lot of people are calling for Larry Kraskoviak's head, but you've got to remember how hard it is and how many more years it would be before Utah would become relevant again if you fire your head coach. It's like that in college football, college basketball, and college sports. It is a process when you have to hire a new coach. And when you get them hired, it takes a couple of years before you get to where you want to be. And sometimes it gets ugly. I mean, if you look at the whole Jim Boylan era, I know it wasn't great, and Utah was right, and Jim Boylan needed to go. But then you look at it. Larry took over the team just as they were about to go into the Pac-12. And so that was an even longer process for Utah to become relevant. I remember them losing to a team, I think it was like Adams State or something like that. It was, a, it was a lower division team, and Utah lost them on their home floor. And I think it was Larry's first year or his second year, I can't remember, but it was bad. Just be careful what you wish for. I'm not calling for Larry Kraskoviak's job. I would never do that. But I do think that there are things that could be changed within the coaching of this basketball team. But still stick with it. The running Utes are good. They've just got to put it together for 40 minutes. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, it's always powered by kslsports.com.
I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.